Well, how about that music for a blast from the past? The unofficial Score North Gopher Show crew, only two-thirds of us. We're going to have to get Murph on. I've said that a few times, and I know you have too, Daniel, but we'll have to get Murph on. We got to get Murph back. I don't know what he's up to. He's probably betting on sports somewhere. We'll, we'll have to check on him. I think Murph is really bitter about his Minnesota Twins because he loves to text me daily when the Minnesota Twins are doing well. Funny, I never hear from him when the Twins aren't doing well or when they're taking one on the chin out east like they always do against the New York Yankees. But that is not why we are here. The voice you just heard was Daniel House from Gophers Guru, gophersguru.com, at Daniel House. NFL on the Twitter machine. The voice you're hearing now is Ross Brendel at Brendel Ross on the Twitter machine. And Daniel House and I came up with this half-brained idea, maybe a full brain from you, House, half-brain from me, that we should once a week during the college football season just talk Gophers for 15, 20 minutes in a a pod quick hitter. So here we go with... uh, Officially edition number 126 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat, but we'll call it edition number one of, I don't know what we'll call this, but it's primarily go for football talk. I like it a lot. Let's let's get down to business. Let's go. Well, let's start with where we came from, a big 38 to nothing spread-covering victory over Jerry Kill and the fighting New Mexico State Aggies. House, I will say this about a game in which the Gophers so clearly dominated and were the better team. I was pleasantly surprised that it was easy, even though we know New Mexico State is not very good. But the track record of the Gopher football team is that they they tend to struggle a little bit in the non-conference. I know they won a bunch of games in a row in the non-conference, but a lot of them were nail biters. It was nice not to have a nail biter in the season opener and to do what you're expected, dominate a lesser opponent. And that's what you want to see. And other observations too, Ross, getting a chance to watch Mo Ibrahim and Trey Potts make their returns. People don't realize what both of them went through. Mo with the Achilles injury and being a running back, having to cut and do all the things that are required to play that position. He looked outstanding. We saw all the traits that made him special, the vision, the outstanding contact balance, the feel as a runner, that one outside zone run where it's third down and he spin move right away and then throws the defender out of space. It's like that's vintage Mo. And then seeing Potts out there after everything that he went through, questions about if he'd ever play football again, to, to see both of them out there and play well is encouraging for the rest of the season. And then Tanner Morgan's confidence. I just thought you could just feel it. Him just efficiently throwing the football, some of the play action looks under center, the bootlegs, the RPO game, called the RPO at the first play of the game, just had me giggling. I took a bet in the box with Dave Campbell and Andy Greeter on what the first play would be. I called an RPO. I got the RPO. So I was excited to see uh, Kirk back again because the offense definitely suited the strengths of Tanner. Tanner had two rushing touchdowns, but no passing touchdowns. So, again, yes, everything that you said, House, he looked more comfortable. He was more efficient. 
I still would like to have seen a touchdown pass because we've seen that same stat line from him before. And when you're playing somebody like New Mexico State and now a game that we'll get to with Western Illinois, it would be nice to see him get a few touchdown passes before the competition steps up in theory a bit with Colorado. I know they're not very good, but still it's it's Power 5 program. And then you head on the road to Michigan State for the start of Big Ten play on September 24th. I'd like to see him get some passing touchdowns. You know, I don't really want to see the day. I want the days of Tanner Morgan completing a 12-game season and throwing 12 touchdown passes and eight interceptions to be behind us. I'd like to see those numbers a bit more gaudy. Is it too much to ask to see some touchdown passes in these games from him? Here's the deal, Ross. Sometimes you just got to have the vanilla sundae. You, you don't need to put the sprinkles and all the sauce and the and the berries on this Sunday yet. You Kirk Shirak is not serving up that ice cream until the Big Ten play starts. Wait until you see some of those sprinkles because you see. Some I'm not saying he now. has to. I'm saying talent alone. They should be able to get him some touchdown passes. But do you do you want to put all the passing game concept wrinkles out there, Ross? You want you want to keep you want to make sure the Sunday is being served during the Big Ten play. House those cornerbacks for New Mexico State were like four foot seven. You, just run a few run a ball, few fades. Ross. You can just pound the ball, just pound the rock, get out of there, don't show anything. That's the that's the philosophy they were able to blow them off the ball. Hey, that's the other thing, Ross. I thought the offensive line had good chemistry for the first game playing together. Ursary flash. Quinn Carroll got the start at right tackle. Thought he had some good run blocking reps. Want to see him continue to work on pass protection, but that was certainly encouraging to see them put together a strong performance, even though it's against New Mexico State. Do we read anything at all into Cole Kramer getting the first looks before Cal Kamanis when both quarterbacks got in? And it, does that bode well for Cole Kramer down the road, or is there still way too much to happen between now and next season? We're a long ways away, but I will say this. Cole Kramer had an outstanding spring and fall and made a lot of strides. I saw a big leap even from the spring to fall, and we talked about that on the last pod, that Kramer looked confident with the offense, made some strides you know, mechanically, continuing to get better with instruction under Kirk Shiraka. So, uh, Cole's definitely in play next season as a potential option. It's just, I mean, Ross, we talked about it before, but having two players that you feel like can be starters next season and give you solid backups this season is is a luxury that we aren't really used to seeing while watching Gopher football. Well, let's do this, House. How well, I want to play a quick game with you. How well do you know Western Illinois University? Okay. Okay. Western Illinois University uh, makes their home where? Makeham, Illinois. Look at you. Okay, you're one for one. They play in which conference? Ooh, the F. Well, I know it's the FCS, but I'm not sure which conference it is. They play in the Missouri Valley. Missouri Sounds Valley. like you're cheating. I could I could hear you typing. No, well, I che- knew I wasn't going to get that one right. So. No cheating in this impromptu game. Let's give you one more. Uh, my source here is Wikipedia, so everything here okay. could be wrong. Uh, they play at something called Hanson Field with a capacity of only 16,000 people. They will play in front of double that on Saturday at 11 a.m. at Huntington Bank Stadium. If anybody could break down Western Illinois outside of uh, Maycom, Illinois, it's you. What, if anything, will the Gophers see on Saturday that could challenge them a little bit from Western Illinois? 
Well, you go back and you look at Myers Hendrickson's offensive scheme at Kansas Wesleyan, where he was previously, had a lot of success there. He was 34, 31 and four in three years there, but he's inheriting a roster that has 80 new players, Ross. Just incredible. They had 58 players in the spring. So you got a lot of moving pieces coming in. Watching what they did at Wesleyan, it was more of 10 personnel with four wide receivers pistol lots of plays in space rpo game that kind of tied into the vertical play action game but they varied personnel groupings and they had a movable gap player which is a tight end that kind of shifts around and creates an extra gap late or aligns in different spots now i'm seeing more from them with the personnel they have 11 and 12 personnel so three wide receiver two wide two tight end sets uh within their offensive scheme so it's a little bit different but the main player to watch offensively is Nassim Brantley, wide receiver number 18, six foot four, 200 pounds, uh, had over 160 yards receiving and three touchdowns in the last game. Uh, possession style receiver that can really go up and get it. So uh, he's someone that the Gophers are going to have to really focus on. And they they pulled their quarterback, Henry Ogale, started the game in favor of Nick Davenport. And he had some escape plays. So the pass rushing lanes will be key. They threw a lot of balls downfield where they uh, were able to make some plays on it. The formula for this Saturday is going to look a lot like it did last Thursday, correct? Run the ball, dominate the clock, take some shots in the passing game. You're bigger, you're stronger, you're more athletic, so dominate the game physically that way. If everything shakes out well, get plenty of players some playing time in the second half. That's the formula, right? And the result should be similar. I can't even find a line on this game. I'm sure it exists somewhere, but I just checked before we started to record this. I can't find a line, but logic would tell you if the Gophers can beat New Mexico State 38 to nothing, they should beat Western Illinois somewhere in that same stratosphere, correct? 35 and a half. 35 and a half. Yeah, I'm still not comfortable enough living in a world where the Gophers cover such big spreads, but I'd like to believe that they can or will. I don't think the game will be particularly close. That's not what I'm saying at all. The Gophers will win easily if they don't. I think there'll be a lot of angst at Huntington Bank Stadium. I just don't know if they'll win by 35 or more. But that's the formula, right? R- pound the ball, dominate the game because of your your strength and your athleticism and get as many guys playing time as possible. And House, just like they did against New Mexico State, try and survive the game with as little injury as possible. Well, the best part about it is everybody's saying 33 defensive snaps. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a great thing because you're not exerting any energy. You're keeping yourself fresh. You're not putting any tread on the tires. And it might not seem like it now, but those uh, playing less plays early in the season, it, it, it will help you later on because you'll be fresher and you don't have to show much. Like Joe Rossi and the staff did not have to show hardly anything defensively wrinkle-wise. So you won't have to roll much out. Like I said, you are not serving up the complete Sundays until the Big Ten play starts. Sorry, that's me awkwardly trying to turn my computer off because it was making a bunch of noise at me and I didn't want to turn the mic back on. House, I love the way this non-conference schedule sets up not to look too far ahead, but I like that you get two games you should be able to get a lot of on-the-job training on work out maybe any kinks that you have them, get your two wins, and then you get Colorado coming here, who might be the worst Power 5 program in the country at this point or close to it. 
But it's still a Power 5 program, and I like that in theory they should challenge you a little bit before you hit the road and go to Michigan State. This is, to me, kind of what you want a non-conference schedule to be. You want to be able to get your three wins, but you do want a couple of games that are quote-unquote layups, and I don't believe any game is a layup. Just look at what happened to the Gophers last year with um, Illinois and Bowling Green. Every win should be celebrated to a degree. So if the Gophers get the win on Saturday, which I expect they will, you move to 2-0, that should be celebrated to a degree. But I, I do love... Two games that, again, more perceived layups. You get Colorado, who at least physically should be able to push you a bit more than New Mexico State and Western Illinois before you hit the road and start Big Ten play. I like the way that the non-conference schedule sets up this year. And you you watch New Mexico State and you see the offense come out efficient and foot on the gas mentality from the get-go. And Kirk Scirocco, the preparation and detail, just being able to find anything that the opponent might do and and try to exploit it. That's what you're looking for in these games. You don't want to get in a situation where you're backed up against the wall and you don't have answers for certain things. And you're trying to figure out how you're going to adapt on the fly. You know, sometimes you have to do that, but Kirk Schrock and Joe Rossi both have the experience level where when they see something, it's not the first time it's happened to them. They're able to really buckle down, communicate, get things fixed and then ultimately settle in and just, you know, dominate the opponent, which, you know, when there's a talent gap, like there are through these first three non-conference games, that's, that's something that's a luxury because like we said, you don't have to play your starters all the time. You don't have to show much and you can just kind of ease into big 10 play and kind of show people what you're going to do in those games. Have uh, Jerry Kill and PJ Fleck, mended fences at least enough publicly or do you think that was pretty much all fake i i honestly have no idea i i think like jerry kill was probably reflecting upon his career at minnesota it's how the program's like now i mean i thought were you there ross were you at the game yes i was i love the bronx cheer when they met after the game did <laughs> yeah. you hear that in the press box I didn't hear it. The Bronx cheer of the 1,500 people that were left when they get together for the post-game handshake. Everybody just goes, hey! Yeah, I bet that was pretty good. But, you know, the student section, seeing how how jacked up everybody was for the first game of the year, I thought the environment was pretty good for for a first game. Yeah, do you think it'll be better or worse against Western Illinois? On par? I don't know. You know, everybody's on campus now and they're looking for something to do. I mean, it's 11 a.m. game, so it's not a great opponent. So I don't know, but I feel like the excitement for go for football is is really high right now, especially among some of the students and younger fans. And I think every aspect of every age range of the, the fan base is pretty excited about the season. I think it's low-key optimistic. I think a lot of people are feeling pretty good that the team will at least be able to compete for the West, but it's it it will gain steam where this thing will really pick up as if they get through the non-conference three and zero, and say they go to Michigan State and win a football game to start the Big Ten season. Purdue, Purdue will be a big game. I really think that that's where this thing would pick up a little bit. Heck, even if you get through the first two games in the Big Ten season at one and one. I think a lot of people would be okay with that and happy about it, but I really think the excitement would pick up if the team gets to 5-0. and 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And it opens up the door there kind of after those first two games. You got the bye week. You reset into a softer part of the schedule for a little bit there. And then, you know, you got your big matchup against Penn State on the road and whiteout environment. And then you hit the home stretch you know, against uh, Iowa and Wisconsin right at the end. Uh, so I like how the schedule plays out, like you said, Ross, where you can kind of ease into this thing or slow build to the end. And also we'll find out a lot about them in those first two games against Michigan State and Purdue because even Purdue, when I watch them play, Ross, I go, okay, you know, they were one first down away from beating Penn State. However, I thought it it showed one of the things why Purdue hasn't been able to take that next step under Jeff Brown. They still can't run the ball, dude. Like 11 passes to one run in a huge sequence where you can put the game away, you run off minimal clock, and you're asking Aiden O'Connell almost throw 60 passes again, and you're not averaging uh, a, a significant amount of yards per carry running the football. So I look at, is that model sustainable when you're in a close game and you got to pound it out in the Big Ten West? Is Purdue going to be able to do that? That's that's my question. Looking around the Big Ten this upcoming weekend, Daniel House, you really only have, I would say, Two marquee games is not the right word because I don't think Wisconsin and Washington State is marquee, but that's two named programs, and it's possible Washington State could push Wisconsin a little bit. But the big game around the Big Ten is Iowa and that juggernaut of an offense with seven points last week on a field goal and two safeties taking on the Iowa State Cyclones in the Cyhawk game. That's always a really fun, entertaining game because of the in-state rival. I I have no idea what to make of Iowa. Every year, they seemingly start the season the exact same way, where the offense is borderline incompetent. There will be other games this year where it's borderline incompetent, and they'll still probably win between seven and nine games. But I will say this, that is the game this weekend to watch if you're not partaking in gopher football activities. But but you watch Iowa Ross in the first game, and it's classic Iowa football where it's just the field position flips, man. Where it's like you're you're playing the field position. You're going, we're gonna we're gonna boot this thing, pin them back, then we're gonna try to get a takeaway that sets the offense up with a short field and go from there. That's why Iowa last year, you look at field position number one in American field position margin and set up a lot of short fields for their offense, is takeaway football sustainable for success? Iowa was able to do it a lot last season. I'm not so sure that they'll be able to, you know, really rely upon that again. So what does that do as we move forward and they play more talented teams? South Dakota State had nothing offensively. Their star tight end got hurt right away. You have to wonder how much of that game plan was really built around him. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm interested in this first this next game between Iowa and Iowa State because I feel like it's a better barometer of where Iowa's at. We know they'll be okay defensively. We know they'll rely on special teams, all those things. But how far can this offense take him? And how bad is Alex Padilla? Like, can Alex Padilla not start for this team? I mean, it's good news for everybody else in the Big Ten West that they're going to continue to do this. But like. Is Padilla really that bad? Well, he he played okay against the Gophers yeah. last season. I, I'd like to see Petrus here at Huntington Bank Stadium in what a month's time or maybe two months time. I I, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I, I do think 
and we'll save this, but I do think this is the year where PJ finally breaks through and, and beats Iowa. But it won't be easy because of all the things that you talked about, the field position, the defense, and that's part of the reason you can rip on their offense all you want, but they're still going to win a good amount of games because they play really good defense, and that was evident against South Dakota State this past weekend. I, I did neglect Duke is at Northwestern. That game could be entertaining. I'm, 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 a, big, I'm a big Duke football fan. I, I also like in the Big Ten, I like Indiana football. I love seeing these football or excuse me, these quote-unquote basketball schools be good at football, just like Mark Stoops at Kentucky, who I think is a tremendous college football coach. Anything else to look forward to this weekend, either in the Gophers game, across the Big Ten, or across college football before we call it good, House? I'm just looking forward to another evaluation point for the Gophers. And, you know, the defense only played 33 plays. Maybe they're out there a little bit more to kind of get a feel for some of the other personnel. Maybe you get some of the younger players in the game so you can uh, get an evaluation on them. Uh, I, I just, Ross, I liked what I saw from some of the younger players, especially on defense. You know, like Danny Strigow coming in and doing a nice job. He could low-key be a quietly important rotational player, especially for certain packages. And just the mix of players that we saw on the defensive line already, I'm, I'm really intrigued and I want to see another week of those guys getting some action and rotating. You know what I want to see on Saturday at Huntington Bank Stadium, besides maybe finally running into you at the stadium? I would love to see a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown. That's what I was hoping to see last Thursday against New Mexico State. for you. Mike Prefer's son is the special teams coordinator for Western Illinois, Michael Prefer Jr. That is a fun fact. I did not know that. He was a former GA for Gopher Football in 2018, UW-Eau Claire grad. So there you go. Fun fact, Michael Prefer. They should put, what's what's his kid's name? Michael Prefer Jr. Is it? They should put Michael Prefer Jr. on an island. Ah, never mind. I hope I hope people got that joke. I really hope they did. I love House just swallowed his drink and is no longer going to talk the rest of the podcast. House, you're the best. Let's keep doing this weekly, okay? Next week when we next week when we do this, the Gophers more than likely will be two and zero, and we'll be uh, previewing a game against the Colorado Buffaloes, who very quietly have some of the nicest and most fly uniforms in all of college football. So I'm looking forward to talking about the Gophers and Buffaloes next looking week. For, looking forward to it, man. Always fun talking ball with you. That is Daniel House. Uh, get all of his great content, all you need to know about Gopher football and more at gophersguru.com and find him on the Twitter machine at Daniel House NFL. Thank you, sir. I appreciated it. Thank you. We'll talk soon. That does it for edition number 126 of Minnesota Sports Chat and this first sub-edition of Minnesota Sports Chat where we talk exclusively Gopher football. I'm back with Daniel House next week talking all things Gophers. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review kindly.